Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This week on the Blue Crew, we are absolutely honored to welcome on a longtime NHL referee, refed in over 1,300 regular season games, over 90 playoff games, two winter classics, and I think I'm missing one thing, and Olympics as well, right? And uh, he now hosts the Snipes and Stripes mm-hmm. podcast with Jeremy Roenick, and some people might not remember he did score a goal in the NHL, even though it was disallowed, which we'll get into, <laughs> but welcome to the show, Tim Peel. Peeler, how's it going? Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, actually, you got him in. Uh, I know you guys are a Ranger fan, but you got him in New York now. The guy that yep. scored the goal was Mortuzo, <laughs> and Sports uh, and I would always laugh about that. It was hilarious. I didn't want to start with it, but I guess we'll go into it. Uh, how do you not count that? Because that's the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And for people that don't know the reference, can you just explain the story? Yeah, absolutely. Mortuzo was playing for uh, the Blues. And he shoots it in, and usually when a defenseman shoots it in, he the rims it around the board, so he or he shoots it kind of towards the net, and and maybe off the end wall. And anyway, I was kind of I was positioned off the off the corner of the boards, and I see it coming at me, and I'm like, fucking puck's gonna hit me! Like I can't jump because it's at waist level, and I can't duck. And I'm like, so I just took it, and. A lot of people thought it got me, you know, in the junk, and then I thought it did. And the crazy thing, so I fall back and I hit my head on the boards. Not that hard. I kind of milked that part of it, but (laughs) so anyway, all of a sudden I'm on all fours on my knees and my hands, and I hear the horn go off like the blue score. And the linesman comes over. He goes, "You okay, Pilsy?" I go, "Yeah, yeah." I go, "Did that fucking puck just go in the net?" And he goes, "Yep." And I go fuck me and so ray Barelli, the longtime trainer comes out he goes you okay i said i think i need to go to the dressing room for a few minutes <laughs> so i came back out and it's got to be this is the best part of the story like it's on roberto luongo uh-huh. hall of fame goaltender one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet and i come back out onto the ice and the first thing lou says to me is he goes timmy you okay i go yeah yeah i said but guess what for the rest of my life, I said, I'm going to be able to say I scored on Roberto Luongo. Yeah, so the yep. last part of the story, two nights later, I'm working the Blues in Chicago, and James Reimer is the backup goalie. He, so we're skating around, warm up. Luongo sees me, comes right up to me. He goes, Peelzy, he goes, they won't even start me tonight because you're roughing our game. Reimer was was a starting goaltender. <laughs> so I got the puck in my office back here. The off-ice officials brought it in. It was hilarious. And, you know, you guys know my deal. I have controversy and a lot of good things and bad things and whatever. But I get home that night and I'm laying in bed having a glass of wine with my wife. And she looks at me. She goes, you're unbelievable. She goes, Something happens, and it's got to be you. And she goes, and and in the city that you live in, St. Louis, you score a goal for the home team. <laughs> the, my text, the text messages was just going crazy. And I think Brett Hall's got 795 goals, whatever his number is. We'll say it's 795. I get a text message from the great 199. And 
And I go to Tisha, my wife, I go, I have finally arrived. I go, Brett yep. texts me, he goes, you've only got 794 goals to go to catch Brett Hall. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had a, uh, like they did for Bedard after his first goal, a chasing greatness. Tapio, <laughs> Wade, Gretzky. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. That's such it's a incredible. good story. That's, a, that's unreal. It's funny. You met, you mentioned how, you know, you score the goal and, and you've been a part of controversy a little bit. And then you, you look at other guys like Wes McCauley. He's also got that little, he's got that extra oomph, oomph to him, you know, like a lot of refs, they, they just keep to themselves. They don't really try to say much in the media or whatnot. How do you feel about refs maybe like having a little bit of their own juice, like becoming, becoming their own personalities? I think that I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, just, trying. I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to bring more light to the referees. I think that my bit basically started because a lot of people go to the games as refs and dress and make fun of them. They'll right. have like a blind pole, they'll do the thing. But I thought it'd be even better to just root for you guys. Yeah. And I love it. I love every second of it. The guys on the ice love it. We, we always, you know, make eye contact with the ref. They do the fist bumps. They love it. But I'd love to see a little bit more uh for a color from refs you know a little bit more excitement from them i think it's great when they do the announcing and whatnot but what do you think about it well you remember ed hockley he was the yeah. NFL official he had the big arms he had his he'd have his shirt tailored to his arms and oh yeah and and joe west the umpire that guy but that's a dying breed now the league doesn't want it they don't want the officials you know to go back to 1994 Four uh, was the work stoppage. Uh, Ninety, yeah, ninety-four with the referees, and when Gary Bettman took over as the commissioner, the first thing he did was uh, take the names off the backs because when the referees uh, locked out, they, I guess they they hadn't come to terms in their CBA, so they weren't working. They were using replacement officials. AKA scab referees. Cause I remember back then I got hired in 98 and I, and I was approached to, to be one of these replacement referees. I was living in New Brunswick, Canada at the time. And, and uh, I remember my dad said to me, he goes, he goes, so are you thinking about be, you know, becoming a replacement ref or a scab ref? I go, well, you know, I really want to get to the NHL. And he goes, do you want to walk in the front door of Maple Leaf Gardens or in the back door? Because if you're going as a scab or as a replacement, he says you're walking in the back door. And so that kind of resonated with me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And it's funny because the, all these replacement referees that they brought on back in 1994 with promises, hey, we're going to look, you know, we're, we may keep you on. They kept none of them on. Not, not one of them ever lasted. As soon as the the strike was over by the refs, they were back. So the point, or they were gone. But the point of the story is they didn't like that Kerry Frazier had a lot of notoriety. Don Koharski, Mick Magoo, uh, Bill McCreary. They didn't like that that the name, the players or the, the officials had the, uh, their names on the back and that the fans knew who they were. So as soon as Gary Bettman took, took over, he took the nameplates off, and then we became the numbers. So it's the way it is. I, I agree with you, Avery. I think it'd be great for the sport. It's, you know, it adds a little, you know, when Wes does the announcements, it puts a little mustard on the hot dog. Hey, we're in the entertainment business. It's okay to be a little colorful on that, but they don't really want, they don't want to see that. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And, you know, speaking of the spectacle, 
I haven't said this out loud yet, but I feel like uh, it would add a little drama to the stadium series. You know, Rangers play the Islanders, Devils play the Flyers. Obviously, we're going to see a fucking coach's challenge at some point if they give, you know, a Laviolette and Lane Lambert a red little challenge flag to throw on the ice, <laughs> for, uh, you know, for the spectacle of the outdoor game. Like, we got to get a little bit more dramatic if we're going to have a review every game, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Maybe Wes will be doing one of those games because nobody does an announcement better than Wes McCauley. So. Well, I wanted to bring up one particular moment that you have at the Rangers. Yeah. And, you know, obviously a lot of Ranger fans are listening to this thinking like, when are you going to ask how they screw the Rangers over all the time? I'm not <laughs> going to ask that. That's not where I'm going. I'm actually going the opposite. So I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but you were actually a hit in HBO 24-7, Rangers Flyers, Road to the Winter Classic. Mm-hmm. And you were on the call in that crazy game in Arizona. Brad Richards scores with like 0.1 second left. And you have to announce to the crowd that the goal is a good goal, right? Like that's a crazy, crazy buzzer beater. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, obviously you get that call, right. You know, which is Mm. first of all, the best, most important thing, but what is it like announcing to a home crowd, something that favors a road team in that kind of environment? Because I feel like that's when people lose their shit, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's, it's great. I loved, I loved like, so to the people listening, Montreal, Montreal and New York were like 1A, 1B as far as the buildings that I like to work in. Like it was really close. Like I, I got to probably give the the uh, lead to Montreal, but the, the Madison Square Garden was my one of my favorite buildings to work in. And, you know, fans don't, they, they probably can't understand it because I guess we're probably a little sick as referees anyway because we take <laughs> abuse but when they'd start chanting at Madison Square Garden ref you suck ref you suck I'd laugh inside I'd get I'd be like this is awesome I'm like I'm a a, I grew up in a trailer park in in Hampton New Brunswick and was adopted came from nothing and now I'm reffing at Maple Leaf or uh, uh, Madison Square Garden and I've got 19 18,000 fans chanting ref you suck so (laughs) so whenever you had to make those announcements whether it went one one way or the other um, I, I enjoyed it and I, I loved, I loved my time in New York. I was texting with Micheletti the other day cause I was watching that game, the LA, LA game, Joe Micheletti. I've known him for years. Uh, he used to be a member at the golf course I'm at here in St. Louis and we became friends and he'd always knock on the door every game that I was reffing and he'd open up the door and he'd look in and he goes, Peelzy, don't fuck this one up tonight. <laughs> I said, thanks, Joe. And he'd leave. And that was his, that was our routine. And uh, but I'm watching the game the other night and Garrett Rank's handing out tens like they're they're mm. it's it's Christmas. We stuff. still don't know why Mika got one. I have no idea. And I'm just like, this is a big game. And not that, listen, it doesn't matter matter whether it's a big game or it's, you know, Columbus and Chicago on a, on a Sunday afternoon, but this is LA Rangers, two marquee uh, uh, markets. And a lot of people were t- tuned in to see this game and he's handing up these 10 minute misconducts. And listen, I'm off. I will back the officials all day long. If like, I remember um, players would say, you know, what's the difference between a two and a 10? And I'd say, you know, two, you're, you're, you're getting, you're being a little, uh, uh, you're, you're acting a little, it's getting a little overboard. 
But when you give a 10, it's because you've become abusive. It's, it's okay to have emotion. We need more emotion in our game. But when that emotion turns to abuse and, and maybe it gets a little too personal, then that's when we can handle 10 minute misconducts. So I don't know what they said to Garrett Rank, but all of a sudden within a matter of a couple of minutes, we had two guys in the box for 10s. You got one of the best players in the Rangers. I, I didn't give a lot of 10s in my career. And mm. I, I don't remember Zeminijet even saying anything to me his whole career. He yeah. really doesn't say that much. So I just hope the rest don't become too sensitive. We, it's okay for for players to yell and you know i didn't like it this this summer when the coaches got brought into chicago and they were told by by the league and by Wacom and coley campbell hey if you guys yell and scream too much on the bench you're going to get fined 25 grand and we've seen the anaheim coach get fined we've seen somebody else and i like that part of the game like it it made me a better ref like if i saw a coach that hardly ever said anything and he's getting wound up then i'm like i probably missed something like because he usually you know if vino like i love i loved vino and a lot of our guys didn't they didn't like him we thought he was too much and he did but but i liked him and it's okay like i liked it when torts would would uh, engage with me and and we need more of that we're losing you know, I was at the, I, I went took my family to the Blues Blackhawks game on Saturday. We were in Chicago for my son's hockey and, and uh, Kelly Chase, who's, who's got leukemia now, he's a good friend of mine, he, long time fighter in the NHL. And he's like, is, is this not a, it's supposed to be a rivalry, Chicago, St. Louis. There were five, there might've been five hits in the game mm-hmm. and Braden Shen probably threw all five of them. So <laughs> we can't take that aspect out of our game. We can't take the hitting. We can't take the emotion. I see fans around the league get upset with one of your guys, Jacob Truba. I'm like, well, keep your fucking head up. Keep your head up. Cause guess what? Truba's not making, this isn't contact to the head. He's stepping up because you've got your head down. That we can't lose that. That's that's my rant about physicality and emotion yeah. in the game. He said it best. Truba said, like, if you want to change me, change the rule. Like he's just playing by how the rules are written, right? right. Like I think that was the best response he had with uh Vince Mercagliano on that exclusive piece he did. Mm-hmm. Listen, Peeler, if you know me, I'm the number one fan of the refs. Uh, I'll always give the benefit of the doubt to the refs. And I won't. and you <laughs> You, do you feel like, and Pat McAfee touched on a little bit, how NHL is the only sport where the refs will make makeup calls, where they know they'll hold themselves accountable for something. Did you ever feel like you were in a situation where you made a bad call and that the next play that happened that would go against the, the, the call that you made, you would make the call, whether it was something light? Like, let's just say you call the penalty on the Rangers and it was a bad call, and then one guy gets slashed in the hands, and it's kind of minuscule, but w- would you make that call? because you feel like you had messed up beforehand. Yeah. And you know what? It's not just hockey. It's, it's all sports. And I use this analogy. If, a, if there's a, an umpire working an MLB game and you see it all the time and he calls, he calls a strike a ball. It's, it's catches the corner. Catcher looks at him. Pitcher looks at him like, come on, man, that was a strike. And maybe not the next pitch, but, the pitch after that, it's actually outside the plate by an inch or two. All of a sudden, boom, he gets a strike. It's not managing the game, but it's it's doing what's right for the game. 
And there's times when, you know, fans hate to hear this. The league probably doesn't like when I say, you know, to do a makeup call. I'm not saying that we, we didn't call a penalty that wasn't a penalty. I, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't call a penalty against uh, Truba t- uh, tonight. And then um, I didn't like that call. So I, who are the Rangers playing tonight? They got Toronto. Uh, Toronto. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I got to give Toronto a penalty now. And I give Matthews a tripping or a slash and he didn't do anything. There's got to be a, there's a penalty there. All I'm saying is your antennas go up and you're like, I better not miss the next call against the other team. I just made a soft call. It's happened. Every ref's going to do it. You make a call. You thought the stick got in on the hands. They show the replay. It missed his hands. You call the hook. You're like, okay, I cannot miss one on the other team because now I've called a penalty against the Rangers. That was a soft call. Maybe the puck went, you know, they scored in the power play. Maybe they didn't, but you're, so it's not so much a makeup call. It's because the penalty still has to be there because if you continually went out there and made makeup calls, Stephen Walken, the director of officiating is calling you going, I don't even see the penalty. Like, yeah. Instead of saying, yeah, I can see it. And you know what? It, it stick was on the hands. Maybe it wasn't a whack hard enough. That's that's probably not the standard we want called consistently. But yeah, I can see why you called that. So I hope- well, it's also like, you know, anyone who's watched hockey long enough also knows like, you know, Rangers Toronto, for example, tonight, if the Rangers have had three power plays, like, you know, at some point, everyone's looking for Toronto to get one, right? Like it's kind of just how the game yeah. goes. It, and it's the same thing. It's a great question. And, it, and you, 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 we've seen that for a hundred years, as long as hockey's been yeah. going on, you get three, four now, but I've had games where I've called seven penalties in a row against a, a team. And because the other team hasn't done anything. So the yeah. league, like Stevens, Stephen Walken, the director of fishing, is he's like, Hey, if there's seven penalties in a row against one team, then you call them, but you better not miss one against the other team. You better not miss one because you, yep. you've been kind of shoving it up the other team's ass all night by calling seven in a row. That other team at some point has got to do something wrong. It's hockey. There's got to be a trip or a hook or high stick or something. That's when as officials, you have to be better and you've got to step up and really be focused and say, I cannot miss a penalty here because I've called so many penalties against the other team. But you don't quote mm-hmm. – you know, and, and call something that's not a penalty. Like my hot mic incident. I thought Arvidsson tripped the guy. I thought he yeah. tripped him. I, I saw him go in. I saw the guy go ass over tea kettle. I thought Arvidsson clipped him with the, with the skate. I didn't just call a penalty because I wanted to call it. And and none of our refs do that. So, But there's times, like I, I hear different people are, you know, our game is good when there's mistakes being made. Can you imagine a, a National Hockey League game where the referees make the perfect call every night? A player it suck. <laughs> let the players make the perfect play every night. The goalies make the perfect save. Our, everything is perfect. Well, guess what? That's going to be boring to watch because there's no emotion yeah. in the game. It's okay when people make mistakes. It's okay when there's turnovers, when a ref makes a call. You know, we, we've got the mecha- mechanisms in place now. When I was refereeing, refing, you couldn't uh, review a double minor. So if Jacob Truba high sticks the at his own player, but I thought it was Austin Matthews that got it, 
and I give Matthews a, a double minor, I have to, I had to eat that. And you would just pray that that double minor, that they wouldn't score in the power play because he got, <laughs> but because he got high stick by his own player, but they can review that. Now there's so many things they can review as far as goalie interference, headshots, offside goals, high sticks. So, but there still is emotion in our game and that's what we want. We want emotion in our game. Well, I think that's a really good point that you make. And I wasn't even like plan on, planning on going this way, I guess. But I think every sport needs human nature and human mistakes, right? You just kind of said that like in baseball, you know, everyone wants the robotic umps now, which is whatever. I'm not even going to go into that. That's why I'm not a baseball fan. Right. You know, the apps obviously have become a little bit absurd in the way they officiate a game. NBA, don't even get me started because if you breathe, you get thrown out of a game. Yeah. And I think in the NHL, what pisses fans off is when there is a human mistake and then there is a review and they don't feel that that review fixed what the mistake was. I think that is what fuels the NHL angst, right? It's it's the fact that we have all this technology right now and they feel like we're still not getting it right. So I guess in your position, are there moments where you have to make, like let's say you go up to Toronto and you have to now announce what Toronto gives you, but you might not agree with it. You're put in a tough position, right? Like how do, how do you go about that? Yeah, you know, that's a great point you brought up. And, and uh, JR and I were talking this morning, Ronick, and we were talking because Gabranson just got suspended for a game, right? Perfect example, yeah. And the refs on the ice gave uh, Connect Me, our cousins, cousins, mm -hmm. a five minute major for boarding. Well, because it's a major penalty now, you've got to get on the headset and review it with Toronto. A couple of years ago, you made the call five and five in a game for boarding. Boom, he's gone, and now it's reviewed. Well, Toronto felt that that wasn't a five-minute major. I got a big problem with that, and and I think obviously Gabranson does too. But to yeah. me, to me, that's a five-minute boarding penalty. That that's mm -hmm. the it that we're trying to take out of the textbook. Game. Textbook. It's a five-minute major, and guess what would have happened? If they had a stuck with the referee's call on the ice, Gabranson wouldn't be suspended for the next game because Cousins would have been thrown out of the game. Gabranson would, would, is putting in, in his head, hey, I'm playing Florida in a couple of weeks. I'll get Cousins. He, he wasn't going after anybody else on, on no. Florida. He was going after Cousins. Yeah. And, and so it's tough because – Hockey ops, they've got a tremendous amount of experience with the guys that they have in there. But sometimes you've got to let the guys that are that are in the heat of the action, that they've got a better feel of the game, of what's going on out there. Because here's a prime example where I felt the referees got it right and then all of a sudden Toronto made it. So to your point, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. If you're the referee, you're making that announcement, you're going in the back of your head. I really don't agree with this call, but yeah. this, this is what i got to say. So. And you take all the heat for it. And you take all the heat for it. Because yeah. I saw that on social media. The refs got it wrong. The refs got it wrong. Well, no, the refs didn't get it wrong. They made the right call. It was Toronto that changed it from a five-minute major to a two-minute minor. So It's so funny. If it were me like on the headset, I'd be like, fuck, guys, are you sure? Because I'm about to get yelled at. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Don't kill the messenger. It was Toronto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be so funny if a ref like got on the on the mic for the arena and was like, I promise it wasn't my call, but here's the situation. You know, here's the situation. <laughs> That'd be so good. But I, I had a question. We were you, you were talking a little bit about Toronto and the reviews. So do they have the final say 
when you're on the headset? Is that they up do. to them? Full full discrepancy. Uh, they do. They have the final say wow. uh, on goaltender interference. They have the final say on majors, uh, head contact, anything that's reviewable. Now, the uh, Toronto's got the final say. And now, my kinda, other, I kind of have to I agree. I I agree with most of it because. We're looking at it at an iPad that's six by eight inches big. They've got 10 TVs up there with four different angles that they're able to look at with, with an ex referee in the, in the situation room, along with Chris King, Rod Pasma, Kay Whitmore, all these other guys. So um, 99.9% of the time, I think Toronto does a great job. I, I do. It's, you know, what I've noticed about since I've got into doing media or podcasts or whatever, referees aren't allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> and and the only people that are allowed to have an opinion are journalists or ex-players. And as soon as I have my uh, opinion, <laughs> it's like I'm told to shut the fuck up and not say anything. And I don't get that. I, I, I have no understand, I have no idea where oh. that – so I'm hopefully going to change that. But so – when I give an opinion, sometimes <laughs> it ruffles people's feathers. And I'm like, I'm not saying that, that you're, you know, like we, you know, I was talking about Toronto. Toronto does an amazing job. They're, they've watched their 1400 games a year. They're, they're like, they're dialed in. They, you know, there's a play goalie interference. They've got a, a, a library of plays. They'll go, Hey, that was similar to a play. They're so good. That was similar to a play 18 months ago in Pittsburgh. Pull that one up. Okay, how do they – they're on it. This isn't just like, hey, they're flipping a coin. Oh, we'll do it. You know what? Rangers need a break tonight. We'll call it. No. Well, these guys, they take pride in their work. They're good at, at their job. Um, but you're just not – it's it's like if I say something on social media about a team, that, that, that fan base is going to get upset. It's the same yeah. thing in hockey. Whether you're the referee of the situation room, they make a call. 50% of the fan base is going to be pissed off, and the other 50%, which is the other team, is going to be like, yeah, that was the right call. So that's the world. No, I, I, love when you, uh, I love when you put your opinion out there. I, I love it. I'm a fan of it. I'm not just saying that because you're a guest on our show. I actually genuinely mean No, it. I appreciate it. I'm trying to just give my insight sometimes. Like, um, you know, the Perron play, like I see you guys see Alan Walsh yet last yeah. night all over social media is losing his mind. I'm a little surprised Perron got six games. I, I am, yeah. I gotta be honest. You know, I'm not necessarily always in agreement with Alan Walsh because he is certainly, he's taken the path that he's going to protect his players at any cost and good for him. That's why he's been successful. That's why his players Mark Andre Fleury's one of his one of his clients. David Perron, one of his clients. He loves his clients, and he's going to go to the wall for them. So I don't have a problem with that. Am I a little surprised that Perron got six games when he's never been suspended in in eleven hundred games played? And yeah, the intent was there, but guess what? At the end of the day, Zub came out and played the next shift. So he did. He obviously didn't get him that hard. I could have lived with three games, maybe four games. But once again, you know, George Peros and, and uh, the rest of the uh, uh, Department of Player Safety, they've got a library of, okay, we gave this guy this for this. We boom, and, and they just don't look at it and make a decision in 15 minutes. They, they put a lot of thought into it. And they, 
they look at it and then they all depart and say, let's get back together in a few hours. You guys think about what, and, and that's how it works. So you're never mm-hmm. going to keep the fan, that, that fan base happy. Um, everybody else in the league or all the other teams will say, yeah, I deserve six games, but the Detroit Red Wing fans are going to, they're going to say that the, the league hates Detroit, which is not the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. We're, we're speaking from a fan base that, you know, I think the Rangers got like, what were they like over 14 on, on challenges this year so far? Oh, really? that. Oh, they, I... they were something bad like that. It was like, you know, th- there's so many memes and gifts on like Twitter that it's like well, a screw the rate, screw the Rangers button. Well, you know what, it. you know what, Johnny, that's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's why the Rangers need to hire an ex-referee to be their, their coach's challenge person. I've been doing this for years. I, I, it blows me away that nobody has done it. I do not understand it. Is An is, inside job. <laughs> yeah, you've got a referee that's that's been on the ice, knows how the league thinks, knows what they usually take back on goalie interference or offsides or whatever, that's lived it, that's breathed it, that knows, you know, has a body of work that's, that is, you know what's usually going to happen. And but is this no, your pitch, Peeler? Is this your pitch? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not moving. And and but but yet you've got a guy. Lots of times you've got a guy or a gal in the video coach's room that hasn't even played at a high level before. Yeah, and they're saying, yeah, you know, you should challenge this for goalie interference. Well, did you ever play in? The, I'm not saying you have to play in the league. I'm not saying that. We got lots of good coaches that never played in the National Hockey League that are really good coaches in the NHL. I'm just saying you should have some body of experience to be able to be a coach's challenge, you know, to be able to call down to Peter Laviolette and say, hey, I think you should look at this play. So, yeah, no, it's a really good point, honestly. Um, you actually might be onto something there. And maybe, uh, maybe uh, Chris Drury is a loyal listener to our show. So maybe he'll. Yeah, I love um, Chris. So, Chris, <laughs> oh, I can do it from home. I can do it from the basement in St. Louis. But I actually got a. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was um, just I'm happy for the Ranger fans, though, because like I, I mentioned earlier, um, my top two favorite buildings to work in. The biggest, the most fun I ever had in New York was. I think it was 2014. The Rangers and the Flyers played Game Seven at Madison Square Garden. I was there, and and you guys were like in Grade Six at the time. But no, I was so, a senior in high school. Senior <laughs> high school. <laughs> and it was it was Game Seven, Philly Rangers, and I'm in the dressing room an hour and a half for the game, and the building was rocking before the game. An hour and a half. Let's go Rangers. And I'm sitting there and I come out of the tunnel and I'm like, I do not need a Red Bull tonight because I am ready to go. And Chris Rooney, it was kind of like the rules, the new rules were in, but you could kind of call less in the playoffs. And to be fair and honest about with the players, when it's a game seven, you don't usually see a lot of penalties. It's not because the referees put away their whistle. It's because the team, the coaches and the, players in the dressing room are like, we cannot take a penalty. Yeah. We can't take any penalties in this game. That's and, a good point. And Chris and I called one penalty the entire game and Zach Ronaldo and I have texted about it since then. He was playing for the Flyers and he, somebody that Ranger player, I forget who it was, didn't even have the puck. Zach just steamrolled him in front of him. <laughs> so we gave him an interference penalty in the first period. And, and, <laughs> and that was the only penalty the entire game. 
and nobody was talking about us at the end of the game. They were just talking about what a great game it was. So they're talking about Daniel Carcillo being the game seven hero. And Is Benoit that, Pouliot. Was that who the oh Benoit? That's right. I remember. It, it was that. like the same exact yeah. goal. It was uh, you know, right side of the ice if you're watching on TV. Zuccarello had the first pass, like a spinorama from the corner, back post to Carcillo. And then I'm pretty sure Brassard had the same kind of pass to Pouliot in the same period. What was the score of that game? I forget the two one. Two one game. Yeah. Yeah. Great game. Great. Yeah, it was. I only got one more. Avery, you got anything else before we uh kind of wrap it up here? Yeah, let, let let me let me sling this last one. Sure. If you if you could add so it's it's a three parter. So you have to <laughs> add a rule to the league right now, you have to remove one, and you have to change one. Um, no more rules. We don't need any more rules. I was glad this year okay. they, yeah, no. And that's, they're a great question. Uh, questions that you have Avery, but the last, geez, it seemed like the last six, seven, eight years, every summer, you know, we get ready for the season. They be, they, you know, here's, here's the different rule interpretations. They would change this or tweak that. And I'm like, our game is in such a good place right now. We don't need any more rules. Um, a rule that I would change and it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen one day. I would hate to see the Vegas Knights and the New York Rangers in the Stanley cup finals. And it's game seven at Madison square garden. It's a tied game late in the third period. We may be going into overtime in the third period and Jacob Truba goes to bring the puck up around the boards but it flips on his side and he puts it over the glass and he gets called for a delay game penalty with a minute and a half to go in the game of a tied hockey game. He sits in the box and all of a sudden uh, Jack Eichel scores in the power play. Boom, they win the cup and he, and uh, Truba's got to come out of the box and think about all summer just because the puck flipped up on the end and went in the stands. I wish they would bring it back where it was our discretion whether a player did it intentionally or not, because it is it hasn't happened yet. But you guys have been around long enough; it will happen at some point uh, during the playoffs one year where a team will lose a game. Now everyone say, "Well, that's the rule; they didn't lose a game." But all I'm saying is these play, these these guys are so good; they're so talented; they're so smart. They know how to rim a puck. When a puck goes over the glass, that's because it's flipped up on its side and they it, it wasn't intentional. So I would like to see that changed. Um, and to tweak anything, I, I, I can't think of anything. You know, maybe, um, I don't, I can't, I, I like the, I like it where our sports are right now. I like the rules. Um, you know, our I, I like the NHL standard that we have that that enables our players to play at a, you know, watching as you guys know, and you guys have been Ranger fans or hockey fans for a long time. This is the fastest our game has ever been, and it's end to end, and it's fast, it's exciting, and so they've done a really good job of eliminating the you know the hooks in the hands and the the water skiing when you hook a guy in the waist and so on. So I think our game's in a good place. I don't think we need to tweak anything else. I have a rule change, and it's 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 half of a joke, but I'm curious yeah. what you think of it. If there's a penalty on the goalie, you throw the goalie in the box and make the backup get in for two minutes. 
<laughs> well, if you want to increase scoring, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Imagine like a, a team that. with a e bug in net, and they, they go and takes a penalty and has to go, and the e bug has to do the uh, the PK. Well, last year, uh, whoever the uh, whoever the backup was for the St. Louis Blues probably would have got more bl- playing time than Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> It happened uh, my my senior year in college. It happened. Um, we were playing Air Force, and our goalie Garrett Metcalf, who's now you know in Utah on the coast, he got put in the box. It was like the funniest bit. It went viral. It was like you know one of the funniest oh, really? videos I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, uh, it was so good. Great. But uh, well, good luck great. to make that change because I don't think that's ever going to happen. But yeah, I no, I was just I was just joking around. But uh, great question, Avery, and uh, great response, uh, Peeler. But my last one. Um, and this one is, you know, I want to be like kind of careful how I word it because I mean it in like a positive way. Oh, you, hey, listen, you can ask me anything. I'm good. No, no, it's not even like about like refereeing or anything. It's oh. it's essentially like the the biggest like fuck you match you've gotten in with a guy that like after the fact that it's over, like you grab a beer and it's like totally fine. But like in that moment, it's kind of like I'm going to fucking kill this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I, But I don't mean it in a negative way. You know, it's oh, like kind of no. like a heat of the moment, but all love. Yeah, I can't remember where we met for oh well i can remember i do remember this actually it was was my first year in the league and you know i was trying to make make a name for myself i'm working with bill mccurry and don koharski and all these veterans and and you know i definitely 100 percent came in the league too cocky and 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 thinking i had to make a name for myself and i wish i had been like I wish the Tim Peel that had been the last 10, 12 years of my career would have been like that early in my career and not take things so serious. And Steve Eiserman said something to me in Nashville and I kicked him out of the game. And it was my first year in the league. Whoa. Yeah, it was, it was a big deal. And, and Shanahan came over to me. He's like, Peelzy, like, what are you doing? I'm like, he can't talk to me like that, blah, blah, blah. And so the Red Wings were staying overnight and I go to Tootsie's in Nashville downtown after the game and I ran into Joey Kosher and Kosher's a great guy and we're friends to this day and we're drinking beers and we come outside on the sidewalk and and we're getting a hot dog, Joey and I, and you know, two in the morning and all of a sudden here comes Steve. He's walking up the street. Joey's like, Steve feels he wants to talk to you. And Steve just looked, looked at me. He's like, and he didn't say anything. He just, and he, he was pissed at me for a long time. And rightfully so. Like I need to show Steve Eisenman more respect than, than what I did that game. I was, a, it was a mistake that I made. It was the only mistake. The hot mic thing. It is. It, I don't even regret that because yeah. things that get said on the ice was a hundred times worse than what I said. I think but, that was blown out of proportion for what it's worth. But, I didn't want to yeah, ask about it. But, but kicking out a player of Eiserman's uh, stature or status, I I overreacted and it bugged me for a long time. And finally, I got a chance to talk to him and and I apologized. And and then uh, last summer, I was actually I visited Panger Darren Pang at his at his house in Lake House in Michigan and. And Panger's like, hey, we're playing. He told me this before I came up, but he's like, hey, we got a great foursome at Oakland Hills in a couple days. He goes, he goes, and this was the foursome. It was Panger, myself, Kenny Holland, and Steve Eisenman. Steve's a member, <laughs> Steve's a member there. And I'm like, I'm I'm golfing with these guys. I'm like, 
how cool is this? This is a kid that grew up in New Brunswick and shitty ass trailer park. And I'm golfing with Eisman, Kenny Holland and Panger right now. And, and it's Steve and I never talked about it. It's, it's water under the bridge. And I just, but it bugged me and it still does, as you can tell by me going on about it, but because I have so much respect for the man that, uh, but I was a young cocky ref that, that thought I, I knew it all, which obviously I, I certainly didn't. No, that's a good one. And you don't even see any players get thrown out of games anymore. It doesn't even Not happen. Very right? often. Not very yeah. often. It doesn't happen very often. You know, a lot has changed that the players, like I remember the last couple of years of my career, people were like, what's Connor McDavid like? What's Austin Matthews like? I don't even really know Johnny. Like they don't really, yeah. they don't, you don't see them talking to, to referees. That was a very common uh, thing where players would come over and, and, you know, sometimes it was fuck you, fuck you back. Uh, other times it was, you know, hey, what about this? They don't really, the, the younger players right now, they just want to play hockey and they're really not concerned about the officiating and they kind of leave that to their coach. So yeah. good or bad, that's just kind of the way it is now. I was always a buddy, buddy with the ref kind of guy. I always over there. Yeah. You were sucking up to the ref. Were always, you? always. I love that there's a lot of respect that some of the coaches will have. They'll put the referees' names. You'll see it inside the bench. They'll put all the referees' full names and numbers in the benches so the players know to, you know, talk to you guys by your first name and have, a you know, some type of respect for you guys. So I think that's great. Yeah, I, I like that too, Avery. They started to do that the last few years, certainly because there's more young young officials in the game. But what I want the fans to know is the referees really, you know, we respect the players. And I'm going to tell you one quick story before we leave because I, I want you to understand how a referee such as myself thought. There was, there was a, uh, I was refereeing Columbus in uh, Montreal one night and Nick Foligno, who I had a tremendous amount of respect for, I loved Marcus, and, but his dad was, his dad, uh, Mike Foligno, was the head coach when I was in the American League, and, and we'd make mistakes as, as a ref here in the minors, and he was always like, Timmy, we're, we're all in this together, we're all trying to get to the NHL, and he was just always so good to me, and, and I was a Leaf fan growing up, so I liked, I liked his dad, you know, I liked Mike, and so I always had a soft spot for Marcus and Nick, and and one night I gave Nick a penalty in Montreal and he, he's going to the box and he goes, you don't fucking respect me. You don't respect me. And it bugged me because I respected Nick Foligno a lot. He fought, he scored, he was the leader of that team in Columbus. And like a month went by before I was going to see Columbus again. And, and it was actually in Columbus and I dropped my ref bag off before, at the, uh, before the game. And I go to the other officials, so I didn't even tell them where I was going. I said, I'll be back in 15 minutes. So I go down, I knock on Tortorella's door, and Bradshaw opens the door, and he's like, hey, Peelzy, what's up? And I go, can you get Nick Foligno? I want to speak to him. So I brought him in, and I said to Nick, I go, you said the other night that I don't have any respect for you. And I said, I just want you to know that couldn't be further from the truth. I, I respect you so much. You're you're one of my favorite guys. I'm you're the leader of this team, da da da. And he's like, I know Peelzy, and we hugged him and he left. And Tortorella looked at me, he goes, he loved it, right? And Torts goes, We fucking need more of that. That's awesome, mm -hmm. Peeler. Yeah. But I just wanted to know like when a player would lose his shit or you know, out there and maybe cross the line, I'd look at them and go, Hey man, 
we're all in this together out here. Like we're just, we're all trying to make the game better. We're, we're all going to make mistakes. It's not, nothing is done on purpose. We don't miss a call on purpose. It just organically happens. It's a fast game. Mistakes are made. So uh, our officials have the utmost respect for the players. And, and one other quick story, because this I do, like, I do like this story. When my hot mic incident happened that morning, yeah. I'm flying home. I'm flying home and I'm, my phone is blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. And I get this num I get this call across my, uh, on my phone and it's a Columbus number. I don't recognize the number. And I answer the phone and it's David Clarkson. And oh, I heard this one. Yeah, it's a great story. And Clarkson's like, he hated refs. Fuck, he hated referees. And I thought he was going to say, hey, Peelzy, it fucking looks good on you, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was the complete opposite. And we've had a beer since then because he was in St. Louis for the Suns team. And and he's like, whenever I saw your name on the board in Columbus or Jersey or wherever I played, I knew I had one of the best refs in the league, but I knew I had one of the fairest refs. And I just wanted you to know that. And, and so it was so nice to hear because all of a sudden I thought this guy literally hated my guts. Mm. And then I found out, well, actually, he actually respected me. It was just the – it was – it was like Timu Solani, Jr. and I had him on our show, and Timu could would would chirp sometimes, and he said, "Timmy, sometimes if I wasn't into the game and I could just feel like I didn't have it tonight, I'd start yelling at the refs to get me into the game." <laughs> so that's that's why that's where our officials have to differentiate uh, emotion from abuse because sometimes players that's just how they get pumped up and how they get into the game more. So. Yeah, no, and I just I want to add to that as well, uh, Tim, because I texted Michael Delzato telling him that you were coming on the show today, and he was, you know, he said, I always was a big fan of his. He was respectful as a ref, and you were always able to have a conversation with him on the ice to tell him I say hi. Yeah, I loved yeah. I loved Mike. I, I just wanted, you tell him, I just wanted to live in his shoes for one day so I could <laughs> date every super, every hot supermodel in New York, okay? I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> I loved, I loved Michael. We had some beers one night. They had the dad's trip in, uh, and the dads were with them in Nashville. And he had all the dads came out, obviously. And we were at Tootsie's upstairs. And it was yep. the night after the game. And everyone was hanging out. And I was drinking with his dad. Yeah, just, you know what? That's a great thing about our sport is that you could get into a fuck you session with a coach or a player uh, on the ice and as soon as the game's over, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's like you, you're buying each other beers, you're laughing about it. And that's the great thing about hockey people. They're just tremendous yeah. people. Yeah, 100%. Besides Stevie Y. But, uh... Oh, no, he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, thank you so much, Tim, for coming on. And is there anything you want to shout out? I know you guys got a big interview oh, tomorrow yeah. night. Uh, you know, Jer Jeremy Roenick, the legend. Uh, he certainly had some controversy in his career and post career and him and I teamed up a couple months ago <laughs> and, uh, and it's called snipes and stripes. You can catch it on Apple and, uh, yeah, we're having fun with it. We've got a Vander Kane on tomorrow night, actually. So, so that should be a good one. And, and, uh, yeah, just having fun. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I follow you guys both on Twitter and always love, always love the, uh, the stuff that you guys post. Yeah, I love when I get a notification for you at like 2 a.m. after you had a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> See, I, you know what? That, that's a that's a great way to end because I gotta I gotta develop an app that you aren't you have to blow into your phone before you send a text <laughs> to make sure. You know, <laughs>
because because I have gotten in trouble a few times, I, especially during the playoffs when you got the you're just starting at six o'clock and it's you know I, we started at six in St. Louis and it's going till one in the morning. I'm watching every game every night and you're opening that second bottle of wine and you're t- you're tweeting. You're like, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea. So and there's always that one call that someone's gonna tweet at you or whatever, and you're just getting right into it with them. I love it. Wait, so I want to find it. I want to find it really quick before he hops off. There was like one exchange I think we had. Peeler, what's your handle again? It's uh, uh, MC Peel. There was one. It was like 3 a.m. We were talking about some call. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find it. It's so good. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Did you see my call on, on TNT? What would you think of the form there? Oh, I did see that. That was awesome. Your form was great. No, you've never referenced Jody right? Kelly said I had great form. What's that? Jody, yeah, I saw that. Jody said that. Eh? That's fantastic. No, you, you've never refereed though, right? No, never. No, no. You just that you just got the jersey and that's awesome. I just know the I game. Listen, I just know the game. Yeah, I saw Jody. <laughs> Jody's a great guy. I saw him give you props for that. That's fantastic. Oh, it was about... It was recently yeah. about uh, the Ottawa coaching situation. It was oh, it was my video. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was because I tweeted that I like bet my life on the Senators to make the playoffs, and you were like, "Come on, Johnny, you know your shit, man. This is brutal." <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're going about the coaches. It's it's, it's one o three in the morning. We're going back and forth about the Ottawa coaching staff. <laughs> well, one o'clock's not bad. One o'clock's no, not no, bad. no, but like. But like realistically, I don't give a shit about the auto coaching staff. You know, like, no, I don't either. But I'm surprised so. he's still got a job there. I don't know. Like that's yeah. disappointing. Ottawa, you know, like I'm a, you know, I've known Keith Kachuk for 20 plus years, and I've known Brady and Matthew since they're four or five years old, and it's killing Matthew to, or Brady to be in that. You know, he, he's wearing it's it's wearing him out because he has so much pride as being the captain of that team, and I just I. You know, I feel bad for uh, like they've they've got too good of a team to be last yeah. in the Eastern Conference. They got to be better than that. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right, well, Tim, thank you so much, hey, and uh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta hop in the shower quick and get to the garden. So, yeah. appreciate you, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch and whatnot. So, um, I'm sure there'll be a controversial call that I'll tweet about you uh, at you tonight. Yeah, have fun. I'm going down. Uh, I'm going down to the Blues and uh, the Blackhawks are playing tonight. It's hockey fights uh, cancer night in St. Louis, and my good friend Kelly Chase has been diagnosed mm-hmm. with uh, leukemia. So I've been uh, visiting him a fair amount. So we've got a suite tonight with a lot of his friends, and unfortunately, he's not going to be there. But they're gonna they're gonna show a video of him that that uh, he did from from the hospital. So it gives oh, me wow. right now. It should be pretty emotional night. So. Yeah. Enjoy your game, and, and I'll do the same. Oh, yeah. and I'll yeah. probably have a few tonight, so I, I try to stay off Twitter later on this evening. So. I'll, I'll turn the notifications off. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Peter.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.